Hey everybody, welcome to Terror Talk. Today on the show we are talking final girls in horror. But first... Horror... Oh no. (laughs) Horror effects with Kat. Yes, we'll be getting to that. But also, I wanted to let you know, Kathy, that the Alien TV series, since, you know, one of my very favorite final Mm -hmm. girls, will be a prequel Mm. set in the 21st century Filming has been delayed until 2023, so we have a ways to wait, but I mean, whatever. So Noah Hawley's limited FX series based on Alien is one of the most anticipated science fiction projects in development right now, but fans will have to wait a little bit longer. So speaking to the Television Critics Association this week, the FX chairman said that the prolific showrunner will film the fifth season of Fargo before jumping into the Ridley Scott science fiction universe. So he's got to finish up Fargo and then we'll be getting to alien. Um, nice. You know, that'll be fun, but I'm excited. Yeah, that's cool. Cause Fargo's a good show. So if that's any indication, it's going to be a, like I said, it's going to be a prequel to the original alien taking place before Ripley ever graced the screen. So wow. the FX, uh, the executives talk about how Holly's show will take place on earth at the end of the 21st century, roughly 70 years from now, Scott's original alien was set in 2122. So the series should predate it by three decades. Very cool. Yeah. That's, you know, Aliens, one of those series I mean, that yeah. never gets old. And so something Love like it. this is going to, it's timeless. Yeah, I'm super excited. Except for, of course, that <laughs> speaking of Final Girls, Ripley is not a part of it. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's unfortunately. that. But you know how they do. They make it even more. Yeah. They make compelling new characters, God willing. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've done that with Star Wars, right? When they've exactly. removed a lot of those characters and brought in other parts of the story and it's ended up being really good. I think once it becomes uh, part of the norm and the culture, then people are like, I don't necessarily need Luke Skywalker to be yeah. in it, too, right? <laughs> yeah, they just get attached to the new characters if that's they're right. written well. So that's really I good. I mean, look at Mandalorian. I found um, there's an issue of Life that Life magazine that's out right now. Mm-hmm. And it's the I think it's new until October. So it's... It is called The World's Scariest Places. Mm. It's really fascinating. And I love it too because I was showing it to someone. They're like, it looks like one of the old vintage life. I have it right here. Yeah. One of the old like, vintage life uh-huh. magazines. Um, so there it. are places in here like Satan's Caves, the Maze of Madness, the Temple of Death, the Church of Bones, which I've talked about on the show before. Uh, I think on our patron, patron page. The Dragon's Lair and Halls of Horror. Mm. I'm just going to read one of these from here. If people are interested, I like collecting magazines like this. There's... Me they, too. They take Me pictures. Too. I have too many of them. I know. Oh, I love, you know, <laughs> everything now is on a flash drive and can be recreated. I love having like the tactile thing for some things, not everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I was saying in in our last week's episode that the Life magazine that came out before this around the same time is all for Jaws and Summer. So that's cool. Uh, the making of Jaws. So this, if you go through it, there's all these different haunted places all across the world and they have pictures of the actual place. I'm just going to read one of them. This one's called the Chapel of Glass Eyes. 
uh, St. Roche Cemetery in New Orleans. So it says in 1867, during the yellow fever epidemic that swept New Orleans, the German pastor of Holy Trinity Catholic Church prayed to St. Roche, the patron saint of good health, promising that if no one in his parish died of the dread disease, he would build a chapel in the holy man's honor. True to his word, when his parishioners were spared, the pastor built a Gothic revival chapel and a cemetery in the city's Faubourg Marigny neighborhood. <laughs> Though today the church is no longer used, the cemetery's chapel remains a curious and creepy destination thanks to a small room filled with prosthetics, thank you notes, glass eyes, dental plates, coins, crutches, and other items brought by people who claim to have been cured by the eccentric Saint Roche. Saint <laughs> uh, Roche will give you what you want, one saying goes, but he will always take something else away. Like many New Orleans cemeteries, indeed like the city itself, St. Roche is rumored to be haunted. In 1937, according to Gumbo Yaya, oh. a classic book of Crescent City folklore. I mean, I, re I, re I read everything Gumbo Yaya has to offer. Yeah, don't you? for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, a ghost emerged from a tomb and sat on a grave every night for weeks. The burial grounds are reportedly also home to the specter of a large hound, appropriate given that St. Roche is the patron, patron saint of good health and dogs. Mm. So there's some cool ones in here. That's cool. Yeah. I wanted to also let everybody know that we purchased our tickets for Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood. So there's also Halloween mm -hmm. Horror Nights in Orlando by Universal Studios. I'm pretty excited for this year. We go every year. We try to go early, early-ish. This year we're going to go opening weekend. I like to kick. That's the it's way to go. kind of fun to go when there's less crowds. It's also the people that work it are really excited because it's new. And yeah. So there's still got a there's lot the of enthusiasm. Energy. There's got, and I'm not saying that that like dies when you go there on, you know, Halloween, but I can tell you that I've been very close to Halloween and I've been in the beginning, you know, in the, of the six, eight week chunk of time where they have it. And I've gone throughout different times and it's much more crowded near Halloween, of course. It's more expensive, of course, as well, but it's also just much more crowded. I mean, that's when people are like, oh, we got to get tickets to that. And then they go. They're not necessarily thinking right. about it in September. Right. So going in September is really fun. Uh, if you're going more than once, obviously, you can go multiple times. But so we're going early and it's just really fun because it sort of sets the mood for, for the Halloween season. And I know this year... Kathy in particular is pretty excited because they're going to do that like Legends of oh. Monsters horror and there's going to be like epic battle right the, between the Universal. It's called Universal Monsters Legends Collide. So they're going to have the Wolfman, Dracula and the Mummy. They're also yeah. going to have a Halloween tent again. Horrors of Blumhouse, I think. Is another oh, that'll one. be fun. Terror Tram as always. Scare Zones as always. Different things. There's a bunch of things that they've announced, but which you guys can look. And they've also announced a bunch of the merch that's coming out. And of course, there are Legends Collide t-shirts, which I have a feeling Kathy's going to be well, uh, yeah. checking out because it's got all, all, the, the horror all three of them on there. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I imagine you have some other Halloween type stuff. I, I'm I'm gonna want to go to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna go to Oogie Boogie Nights this year, but yeah. I am gonna go to Disneyland to see like Haunted the Mansion oh, overlay for sure. and all of that. Because what they've done over recent years is instead, when Kathy and I first used to go to the Disneyland Halloween parties, is that they would have them in Disneyland, and then COVID came. 
they they saw Disneyland saw their opportunity to change all the things that they've probably been wanting to change, and culturally they were shut down so they could go like, okay, well this is the time to rip the bandaid with all these changes we've wanted to make. Yeah. So they revamped the annual pass thing when it came back. They they had already moved. Oogie Boogie Nights, which is the Halloween party, they had already moved it to DCA, I think, or mm-hmm. maybe they maybe they moved it after COVID. I don't remember. They moved it before COVID. They moved it before COVID, but now you, it's a totally separate ticket. Like you can't get into Disneyland at all right. with that. So there's Oogie no like, Boogie Park Nights is for fun. It. Mm-hmm. But Kathy and I had decided last year that we've had enough of that for a minute at least for me and I, we mm-hmm. had a conversation like sometimes your friends want to go. So you end up going anyway, but just as far as like having it <laughs> That's be right. one of our things that we make sure to go to together. We'll probably do Disneyland. I would imagine. I mean, I'm I going, like going to Disneyland anyway. So. I love it during Halloween and I, I'm going in August. Uh, I have a friend coming into town with her kids, but I think, uh, I don't think they'll have it set up yet, but who knows? I mean, I mean, who knows? They usually close it in mm. August and they have open it up in September. Like they close it for the overlay mm. in August. So sometimes things are closed in August that are opening in September for, okay. f- with the overlay. So okay. that might be your experience. Like the haunted mansion might be on a veil. Yep. Yeah. Correct. But pirates is back open. Yeah. FYI. Awesome. I have a magic key to Disneyland in case you guys didn't know, uh, which is what they call the annual pass. Yeah. She doesn't now. literally have a magic key. I mean, that sounded but very I do. egotistical. But I do. Okay. And they gave me one. I paid for it. Whatevs. <laughs> it's just what they call the annual pass. She did now. have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. We also talked about going to the Halloween house thing that you like that's that's out in T.O. or Alpha Yes. And they or actually, they have one, I think one is going on like, they do several throughout the year there, but they will definitely have it during the season. But and then there's another one I think that's opening in the next few weeks by Pierce College. Like I, what I'm noticing is the season is starting to really become year round because there is really a pull mm-hmm. for this genre. But there's nothing like going to those things during the actual season. Yeah, it's yeah. a mood. It's a mood. Plus, I mean, it's not light out as late. Yeah. That's how you, you go feel at six about o'clock fall. and it's dark. Yeah. Right. Like we experience fall mm-hmm. as a little bit like after the time change in yeah, October. For sure. Of course, we do Halloween stuff before that all mm-hmm. September. Of course, hell, we talk about my shit all year starts long. coming out in August. Uh, we do that. It's a season. The fall really sets yeah. in for me mm-hmm. when the time changes. Although, because there's a there's very soon, we're not yeah. going to have that. I know. There's going and to be no the, more time that's change. That's the only thing I will miss about the time change the is fall. the fall. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Because the longer days are nice. But anyway. The next thing we're going to talk about is a little thing we like to call. <laughs> okay. Okay, Megadeth. How can we help you? <laughs> God, that was awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's like, you're welcome. Okay, ready? Uh, uh, (laughs) Yeah. What 1990s horror film had Meg Ryan, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Laura Dern all in the running for the lead role, but was beat out by another lead actress of the 90s? So we're looking for the movie. Okay, the movie name. All right. Mm -hmm. Got it. Number two. In the original Jurassic Park, how much screen time was awarded to the dinosaurs? (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Number three. 
In Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, how does the monster discover that Frankenstein is his creator? Okay. Number four, you're going to get options for this one. (laughs) Okay. What was the most expensive horror movie ever produced? A, I Am Legend, B, World War Z, or C, Prometheus? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And then number five, what heinous beast was the subject of 2007's horror movie, horror sci-fi movie, Rogue? Okay, cool. Right on. So what happens with Horror Facts with Kath, in case you couldn't understand her or have no (laughs) idea what we're doing, which is probably the case if you're new here, uh, at the end of the show, I guess I never, I rarely know most of the answers. And then you guys learn some trivia. So, but first we will take a break and we will come back and we will talk final girls in horror. We will be right back. Hello. Let's talk final girls. I believe you have some some context for you know, us. I, yes. And I love that um, this is this terminology is becoming a little bit more mainstream in our genre. Oh boy. Uh, so what is Final Girl? Final Girl is a trope in horror films, most often used in slasher films, but sometimes um, they, they can be found in sci-fi or action films. Yeah. Um, it refers to the last girl or the last woman alive to confront the killer, ostensibly the one left to tell the story. Um, she's often observed, uh, she, or she's been observed in many films. Uh, some of the more famous would be Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Alien, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Scream. Carol J. Clover was actually the person who coined the terminology final girl in her 1992 book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Horror Film. I've brought up this book in previous episodes. I've alluded to it. I'm going to read a couple of inserts, just a couple paragraphs from the book. I really love this book, especially because it was written quite a while ago. And I feel like a lot of what she wrote then we are seeing even more of now. Um, and she, sure. she does talk also about the male in this book and, and sort of makes him secondary to the power that women actually have in the horror genre. Because I think there's this understanding sometimes that it's male dominated or it's uh, sexist in some way. Now, clearly, right. we, you know, there are films that go to, a, you know, to that place. But she does talk a lot about the fact that the male role in horror is essentially nothing 
without the female. Yeah. And, you know, she discusses a lot about even just the concept of the supernatural or, um, you know, that the male can't even be in the midst of these situations without the female influence. But I want to read a couple of paragraphs first that just give you an idea of the way she thinks and the way that she has put together these concepts and how it's related to the final girl. So this, this is straight out of her book. Uh, and this, this is in the section called her body himself. So she says, it is not that these films show us gender and sex in a free variation. It is that they fix on the irregular combinations of which um, the combination masculine female repeatedly prevails over the combination feminine male. The fact that masculine males, boyfriends, fathers, would-be rescuers, are regular, regularly dismissed through ridicule or death or both would seem to suggest that it is not masculinity per se that is being privileged, but masculinity in conjunction with a female body. And I think that's such a cool way to look at it because the regular just gender assignment to male-female in horror films are really less relevant then that combination. And then on page 104 in uh, the section called Opening Up, she says, for the moment, let me simply suggest that what is at stake at the peak of the female story is not masculinity per se and not hyperfemininity or sexual aggressiveness per se. It's gender transgression crossing over. The issue is not so much what kind of excess the woman slides into in the middle part of the story, but that she does so and in such extra extravagant terms. So when we think about the final girl, the final girl over the film really slides more into a masculine role in the sense that she goes from being very vulnerable in the beginning, the way that I guess we would, you know, generally describe femininity, although I sort of disagree with that, and how that eventually transitions into a very assertive and masculine-ish, if we're going gender norm, role where she ends up becoming really the most powerful force of the movie and outliving all of the other people, including men in the film. Mm -hmm. We're starting to also see that, well, let me finish up with Carol and then I'll go here. So she defined the final girl as that girl who becomes the only survivor of a group of people who is attacked by the villain. It is she who confronts him and ultimately wins either by killing him on her own or being saved at the last minute by someone else. In addition, one of the main qualities that stand out in the protagonist is her implicit moral superiority. So since she is always the one who rejects behaviors such as drugs and sex, unlike her friends who end up murdered. So this is from an article called The History of the Final Girl in Horror Movies, Latin American Post from 2021. I do disagree with a couple of those statements only because if we look at some of the final girls outside of the slasher genre, and I'm going to talk about one of them, and I think Shannon probably will too, is not all of them are necessarily pinned as morally responsible or morally superior, but certainly in the slasher in the horror genre, you'll, you'll see that. But I do think there's exceptions to that. The first example of a final girl was actually one of my absolute favorite movies, which was the character played by Olivia Hussey in the film Black Christmas 1974. So mm -hmm. in this story, um, which takes place in a female fraternity of students, a mysterious murderer breaks into the house through the attic. Little by little, he kills several girls until only Jess, her character's name, remains after eluding him and hiding in the basement. 
Some other famous final girls that we know is uh, Sally Hardesty from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Jennifer Hills, Lori Strode, Cindy Prescott, Danny Arter, Adelaide Wilson from Us. We also are seeing now books like uh, the book by Grady Hendrix, you know, Final Girl Support Group, which demonstrates this allure or appeal to recreate the final girl and delve into more of that story. There are also board games out now. There's a board game called Final Girl that has all of these extension packs and it's a solitary game. So uh, it's a solitaire only game that puts the player in the shoes of a female protagonist who must kill the slasher if she wants to survive. So it's really becoming this thing that people are um, really drawn to. And I think that's kind of cool because it's rare that we see women in horror being such a focus in a positive way. And it also takes us out of the, oh, we're just the ones with like our boobs falling out and <laughs> you know i mean those uh, are fun too those are fun too and and i'm <laughs> going to talk about three of my favorites but did you have anything else you wanted to add to to that no i think that's a pretty good i guess one thing i would add is when i think of i mean and i've said this before but when i think of the feminine and the masculine i'm not talking about gender identification exactly i'm talking me personally i'm talking about more of the jungian feminine archetypes or the jungian masculine ar archetypes mm -hmm. so please don't misunderstand me and if you want me to if you guys want me to talk more about what those are, maybe in our Patreon membership or something, or, or maybe just along the way, I can bring them up more. But like feminine archetypes are often, uh, you know, the mother, the maiden, the crone, the sage, the mystic, uh, even the huntress or the queen. So they're not all mommies <laughs> right you know myth mythology embraces all types of femininity and also has a toxic femininity just like masculine archetypes are things like the king the warrior the mm -hmm. magician the lover both female both feminine and masculine archetypes have a lover archetype yeah so i'm careful to use the words feminine and masculine and female and male, meaning uh, gender assignment. Exclude, like, you mean yeah. as a mutually exclusive thing? Yeah, yeah like, in other sense. words, like, I have fem feminine qualities and masculine qualities mm -hmm. within me. Kathy has feminine and masculine qualities within uh, in her. And we're all on this sort of spectrum on mm -hmm. all these different things. And, you know, you can pull from a psychological perspective, you're often pulling from those archetypes sure. in your life. And, and the, knowing those archetypes in our mythology can often sort of help to heal what you're going through, whatever. And so when I'm talking about the feminine archetype, let's say of the final girl, it's, it's probably more along the lines of, you know, the queen or the huntress, or yeah. it, it just sort of depends yeah. like what the story is, right. Mm -hmm. And what the arc is. And so, yes, of course the trope has certain qualities to it in slashers. Other films, it follows things like that. You wouldn't necessarily think of her as a final girl because girls aren't getting picked off all around her. Right. It's really that the thing is after her. As I'm saying, there's there but are she definitely survives it. Rules you know? broken because of course we've seen different. Of course, yeah. But of course, things like you know, I mean, Sarah Connor and the Terminator. Yeah. You know, those yeah. are all we could all say those are final girls. But the final girl thing is really a horror thing. But yeah. Obviously. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than that. Mm -hmm. so that's, I just wanted to add that okay. sort of feminine masculine quality to it. But I want to mention the character of Mia in Evil Dead, the 2013 
Evil Dead. And for those of you who haven't seen that, it's actually a great movie. The Evil Dead purists, and I and I love the original Evil Dead yeah. movies. With Bruce, I mean, Bruce Campbell is uh, one of my favorite dudes. So right. they're great. The Evil Dead 2013, you know, if you haven't given it a shot, it's it's really a great flick. And Mia, the character of Mia, is a fantastic final girl. She's really fantastic. So I just wanted to mention her. It's Mia is a young woman struggling with sobriety, heads to a remote cabin with a group of friends where the discovery of the Book of the Dead unwittingly summons up a dormant demons which possess the youngsters one by one. Okay. So it's really got that that teen vibe going, but the last sequences where she's fighting for her life are pretty great, pretty epic. That's awesome. Yeah. I um I love the ever since Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, um, I've loved a lot a lot of the films that they've. Although they're very hard to watch, some of the the rape um, revenge films. I think we see really what happens to someone through trauma, and and so I think one of my favorite uh, final girls would be Jennifer Hills in um, I Spit on Your Grave, mm-hmm. and I think it's because again, there's this build up from this fall from innocence to experience, which mm-hmm. I think we see with a lot of final girls, but this is a very different type of thing. Right. And we know, um, I just recently rewatched the 2010 and just a little, if, if you don't know the film, Jennifer, Jennifer Hills is the character. Jennifer's an aspiring short story writer from New York, vacationing in a cabin in the woods to focus writing her novel. She is then assaulted by a group of local rednecks who rape her, destroy her manuscript and leave her for dead. She then becomes a vigilante hunting down her tormentors and killing them one by one. So we see this character in the movie revenge, which is a 2017 film. I really liked that movie. I I loved that movie. I, um, you know, we see this in Ms. 45. We see it with Lizbeth Salander and girl with dragon tattoo. And I think that although it's this, this character, this trope has been played in a lot of different movies, I do think that it is such a catharsis for women, um, whether you've been assaulted or raped or not, to be a woman in this world and see, like, one, what tra- where trauma can take someone, but two, watching what most people don't actually get to do after something horrific like that happens because, not to get political, but we know that with the laws and things, like rapists oftentimes really don't get what they deserve, and this takes it to that level of like, I'm going to cut your dick off, and I'm going right. to shove it down your throat. Right. Right? So there's a lot of catharsis in that, and and also just um, what I like about at least the t- 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 2010 version is even though she's vulnerable at the beginning, and we see this in Revenge also in 2017, is from the very beginning, there are aspects, when you're talking about like the masculine feminine, there are aspects of her even from the beginning before that scenario where you're kind of looking at her body type, you're looking at the way she responds to things, that that doesn't come out of nowhere. Like she already has something in her that's a fighter Mm -hmm. despite what she might look like physically. And so it shows like, you know, women sometimes are underestimated for their strength. Yeah, I think the final girl arc doesn't work as well obviously when you are in a movie where all of a sudden she's a badass no because male or female gender identity many of us would not rise to the occasion in this way in a 
revenge, angry, going to go to the ends of the earth to make you suffer. Lots of people aren't going to go to that. So I prefer the stories actually when the final girl, the woman is flawed to begin with Mm -hmm. in the sense that maybe we get a sense of them being able to go in that direction before all the shit goes down. Mm -hmm. That is pretty rare. Yeah. That doesn't really happen. Like that's the movie I'd like to see Mm -hmm. where it's, they're a little bit unhinged to begin with. I know we have those, but you like them, but they're obviously, you know, able to go to extremes in their behaviors. And that might be verbally or some other way, because we all know people like that. And Mm -hmm. then these kinds of horrible things happen and then they go off into the, yeah. But I also like kind of the straightforward ones. You know, you mentioned some of the classics, you know, Laurie Strode and the two different women from Scream and Mm -hmm. Nancy and Wes Craven's New Nightmare and that. Mm -hmm. And and I always really liked uh, Hellraiser. So I really liked uh, Kirsty Cotton in in two or three of those movies. I I like her a lot. And then like the Heather Langenkamp stuff from from Freddie. I I like those. But another one I think most of you have mentioned, and maybe you're going to mention this too, Kathy, is the movie You're Next. No, I don't have it on my list, but uh, yeah. It's one of my favorite final girls. So it's a 2011 movie. When the Davison family comes under attack during their wedding anniversary getaway, the gang of mysterious killers soon learns that one of its victims harbors a secret talent for fighting back. It's a little bit clue-like. It's a little bit haunting of hill house like like there's like a mysterious thing happening there's a whole family there yeah and people start dying yeah yeah and you don't have to wait too long before people start dying like the shit pops off pretty quickly and Mm -hmm. then you're in like a murder mystery Mm -hmm. but a slasher yeah and a final girl that kicks serious ass and there's a lot of fun in that and i think what we're talking about is that psychological process of and i can only speak from my gender identity as a female and to say that it's very i get to act all of that out and get that satisfied without actually having to go out and hurt anyone well that's (laughs) right and that's why the like the rape revenge ones are so great right yeah and i think that's what you were saying i'm just putting it yeah no it's true terms like i get to act all that and i mean that's what we talk about all the time on the show Mm -hmm. horror is a psychological concept and a way we work out our trauma right from the darkest to the lightest that's right that's this this concept of the final girl or girl or any of the tropes or any of the characters that you see over and over again are working something out for you for sure so i really liked that one that that one was a lot of fun because you're kind of just going like yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. that whole thing you were talking just a moment ago about the ones that that start a little bit broken and become like even crazier yeah and um some people may not consider her a final girl but i'll break the rules here for a minute one of my favorites is just beatrix kiddo from kill bill and yeah um, for sure you know so if if you haven't seen it the the context of her characters after her premature retirement from her assassination career upon becoming pregnant so there's some vulnerability there Mm -hmm. beatrix left the squad to escape the life of an assassin and start a new one for her unborn daughter however beatrix's friends and her fiance were murdered at the marriage rehearsal 
So she herself was shot in the head and put into a four-year coma during which kiddo was delivered, uh, BB kiddo was delivered successfully. She wakes up, she plots her deadly vengeance against all members of the deadly Viper assassination squad, including Bill himself, killing them all one by one and killing anyone who stood in her way. Um, when I saw this movie, I was younger, obviously, and I was like, holy shit, this is so cool to watch this woman like and and it's brutal. I mean, the scene where she smashes the guy's head in the door, and, like mm, takes yeah. her pussy wagon and yeah. gets out. Like it was something that had really never been done before to that yes. extreme. Yep. And um, I just dig her. I mean, she and Kill Bill too was great, also. But she was a lone assassin as a female, and that's just yep. really rare. Yeah, no, he was really breaking some ground American wise. Yes, there. and I know his, mm-hmm. you know, Tarantino's influences. You knew where that was coming from, but. For Americans at the time, American women, that was a real breakthrough for us, Mm -hmm. I think. I would want to mention there are so many African-American final girls Mm -hmm. that it's this a list that's pretty big now. And whenever you Google most famous, best final girls, blah, 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 you get these lists And I will tell you, you get a bunch of lists with all white women on them. Yep. So uh, that's, that's not my experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some of my favorites are not white ladies. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned a few, of course, and just by the nature of the entertainment industry, of course, most of them are white, right? Percentage wise, but that's the case in all of our entertainment industry. It's, it's highly marginalized. So I want to make sure to mention that, of course, I love Lupita in Us and in Little Monsters. Are you talking about uh, the, because the, I have the character of Adelaide. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah that's who she plays She's in on Us. my list, too. Yeah, she plays mm-hmm. uh, Adelaide in Us, and she plays Miss Audrey Caroline in Little Monsters, which is a, a comedy, but she's also a final girl in that. because she, She's great in that. People get kind of fucked up in that movie, too. Yeah. But I loved Lupita in both of those roles, and they're two two of my honestly favorite horror movies in recent years and then i also want to mention two little girls that happen to be african-american that i've always loved is i like the movie eve's bayou and the little girl who plays even that Mm -hmm. and i really like the movie the girl with all the gifts it's uh i still haven't seen that one i don't think it's stranger things before there was stranger things of course it's not 80s it's not it's disto it's more it's dystopian it's not Stranger Things, but it is because it's that kind of tech vibe mm-hmm. where shit's going down in the laboratory kind yeah. of deal and the end of the world is happening outside. Whereas Stranger Things is an alternate universe, et cetera. But yeah. it's got those kind of vibes before Stranger Things was the thing. Uh, and I love the little girl in that movie. I think her her character name is Melanie. Let me see if I can find her. Senia... Nanua is her name. Nanua. She's fantastic in that mm. movie. I really like it. So, and then of course there's a ton. Oh, I also liked um, the character of Jen in this little movie called Sweetheart. Oh, cool. Yeah. She okay. was really good. Yeah. I had Adelaide uh, as well. And I think um, one of the things I love so much about her character and the way that it's written is um, just how deeply misunderstood Yes. She was and how she was, um, mm-hmm. you know, indirectly responsible for what happened. Mm-hmm. And I think, and this is where Jordan Peele does such a great job of mixing horror and um, 
racism and all of that in there, but her character you end up having a lot of empathy for, but she's also like a badass and she's a survivor. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so she's great. And then I, I just have to pay my respects to Lori Strode just because although she's obvious, she, Lori is the, is the one we root for, you know, even 40 years later. Um, she's at the center of our horror hearts, you know, even if the, the movie isn't great, meaning some of these newer Blumhouse ones, um, watching her performance, I think is meaningful because as women, we, we connect and look up to that resiliency. So obviously she's an obvious one, but she is still one of my absolute favorites. And, um, the way that her story now has really been built from like a lineage place, I just think is really rad. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, she deserves to be, they all deserve to be mentioned in any kind of massive list, right? (laughs) All of the classics are Mm -hmm. awesome. I did want to mention, if you listen to the show every week, you, you might know that I love the French extremist period and I always like movies that are in that vein. And so I couldn't really get out of this without mentioning the movie Inside. And this is, again, one of those ones where you're not really thinking of this character as a final girl because she's a psychopath, really. (laughs) I mean, so a a scissor-wielding psychopath terrorizes a pregnant widow on Christmas Eve. It's a Christmas movie. Not really. (laughs) It's gruesome and bloody and violent and awful. And it's got that trope in it of, you know, this woman's come to steal the baby kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But this movie's really, really excellent. And so I would mention these kinds of movies as movies where you can work out that idea of the final girl in maybe unique ways. So inside would be one of those. And then one of my all time favorites martyrs from the original French martyrs from 2008 would be another one. I mean, this is a really polarizing movie. It's honestly one of my favorites because it's, it's torture porn. It's graphic. It's brutal. It's nasty. It's all the things, but It's so unique and it is a young woman's quest for revenge that leads her down this path of depravity. And then things happen that you have your, like you're not expecting any of that. If you don't know anything about the movie and you go in blind, but you know, it's an extremist movie. So just like, don't go in that blind. Don't go in thinking it's a Christmas movie or whatever. Um, (laughs) It just turns on a dime and, I just think some of those ideas are being worked out. If you like extremist horror, if you like to tap into the darkest pieces of our world and and psychopathy and all of that, you've got that in there. And then I would just throw in, what's her name? Mitsuko in Battle Royale. She's a pretty great one if you haven't seen that. Nice. So just throw those in. I want it to be multicultural. Yeah. Because they're all there. I mean... I like all that. I think some of the foreign films actually do it the best. I do too. Yeah. I do too. So I could literally do separate articles or episodes on like the best either 
revenge characters or final girls, kind of whatever you want to call it. Because I think those revenge stories are kind of a take on the final yeah. girl. Because final girls, are, I think, originally were like slashers, yeah. the last girl standing. That's right. But there's all these other it's ways. It's bled into different things. Yeah. yeah. There's a, mm-hmm. Revenge movies take their way of yep. doing the final girl. Yep. And uh, action movies take a different way. Yep. And then, like I was mentioning before, um, It Follows or like movies like The Descent or even movies like Split and Glass. There's that character of Casey in there that she's the final girl. So there's just so many ways to take it, which I think is great. Yeah. You could, there's yeah. a, there's a lot of different ways to explore. So cool. Yeah. Thank you for bringing those in because I certainly appreciate the, a lot of the Korean and Japanese films and mm-hmm. they're, they're just so unapologetic about how brutal it gets. And it's just so awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're not all, you know, the final girl trope of like, the brunette who isn't killed by Michael Myers or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and wins is, is that, is that root. Sure. Right. The Laurie Strode. That's and all right. That. And then there's all these branches yep. and I just think it's a great thing to explore. And yeah, thank you for bringing that in. Yeah. Awesome. So we tried to be, <laughs> we try to be quick about it, but obviously yeah. it's a massive, we have a lot to say. It's a massive, topic but we tried to Mm -hmm. get in and get out so we will take a break and we will come back with some horror watches reviews i've watched several Mm -hmm. new movies they're not exactly new when this episode is going up but but summer movies movies that came out this summer and we'll get those answers to those horror facts you're all dying for it (laughs) we'll be right back everybody let's talk some movies let's do it you want to start with good madam since we saw it together yeah so good madam 2021 um find it on shutter i believe Mm -hmm. uh an eerie psychological thriller about cd who is forced to move in with her estranged mother a live-in domestic worker caring obsessively for her catatonic white madam in the wealthy cape town suburbs of south africa uh as cd tries to heal her family the specter of madam begins to stir so you know, it has obviously, and I don't say this just be, I, I'm careful to say it, it It has flavors of Jordan Peele because what I don't want to do is assume that not every time, you know, a black director puts out a film, we now have to compare it to like the few black directors that are doing really well because it's, mm. you know, but it does have a feel of it of Jordan Peele's get out a little bit. Well, it's a woman director as well. It's a woman director as well, but there is a, you know, certainly like the supernatural thing going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also has a lot to do with apartheid and, and segregation and all of that, which is, you know, some of the underlying components obviously of get out. So there is some of that atmosphere there. You know, I found this movie, to as far as the atmosphere and as far as the acting and some of the the scenes I actually was quite drawn to it I think where I struggled the most was I didn't I had a hard time how they 
sort of tied up the ending felt yeah. a little bit like that. But as far as it watching it from just like an artistic space, yeah. I think it was done really well. I liked the mood. I liked the mm-hmm. slow build. I liked the psychological sort of supernatural pieces of that. Yeah. I like how they brought in race and inequality and mm-hmm. really terrifying power, the yeah. structure and post-colonial possession type story i guess yeah i mean i i don't yeah. not exactly sure how to qualify it i mean i think it was engaging but it was also confusing it was confusing so i i don't want to compare it to jordan peele he has his own voice but mm-hmm. what i would say is i was confused yeah and so maybe that's what you're saying about like i need a slow burn atmospheric movie to come together and pay off in some way at the end. Yeah. And I, I was more confused. Yeah. There were some, some scenes I really liked between CD and her, her mother. And there's Mm -hmm. a scene where she says, you know, um, I watched my mother, you know, essentially leave me and go to raise white children and Mm. take care of a white woman. Like you could just see and hear the pain. I also love that it's, all in an African dialect too. Like you're watching it um, Mm -hmm. and you're reading subtitles because it's beautiful language and we don't see much of that. Yeah. It was was thought provoking. It was very thought provoking. I think it's worth a a watch, Mm -hmm. but just it's definitely not a perfect story. It is not. It is not, (laughs) but yeah, it's new and I just kind of, I know we all watched it and that was worth a mention. So I'd like to address that. I saw the movie, the black phone. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. What'd you think? So this is a 2021 horror film that if you're listening to this and you like horror, because I know some of our listeners are true crime, but if you listened to this episode, this exact episode and uh, you don't know the black phone has been much anticipated. Ethan Hawke is in this movie and it's a, it's a universal studios and Blumhouse joint. I had some hopes for it above and beyond the strict Blumhouse. (laughs) And I loved it. Oh, good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I thought it was so good. <laughs> I loved it. I, yeah. I don't want to say any more about yeah. it. Uh, I'm glad you felt the same way. I wasn't sure if you would. No, I loved it. Yeah. I think it's a great flick mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say any more about it because I think, I think spoiling it is bad. <laughs> can you admit that those two kids are going somewhere though? Yeah. The act, I mean, the things I can say is that the, it is creepy as fuck. Yeah. The kids are in it are really good, as is Ethan Hawke. It's creepy. It's I don't want to say the things that I'm going to say because it's too new. I mean, by yeah. the time this episode airs, it will have been out a few weeks. But it's it is one of those movies that I would recommend you see. I imagine it's going to be on my favorites list for 2022. I'm imagining that because it has a very dark, sinister moody thing but the plot moves along it's an interesting story it's not just what you think it is that's what i said so that's you're saying exactly what i said great and i and would you agree that it's one of the better things blumhouse has ever done right yeah they just need a little oversight yep maybe universal provided that yeah just saying it was a joint so Watch it. It went well. And I'm not saying I don't like Blumhouse because there's a lot of flicks that they do that I really enjoy. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I watched Shirley Jackson's We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Okay. Uh, American mystery thriller film. 
came out in 2018, 20, I think it was released in 2019. 18-year-old Mary Catherine Maricat Blackwood lives on a family estate with her older sister Constance and their ailing uncle Julian. Constance has not left the house in the six years since she was tried and acquitted of the death of her parents by poisoning. Every Tuesday, Maricat goes to the village to shop while the villagers, her, villagers harass her. Maricat practices her own brand of protective magic by burying articles of power in the ground to keep evil forces at bay and protect Constance. It's unclear whether this power is real or imaginary. So I watched this for a couple of reasons. One, I like Shirley Jackson. I like everything that, you know, so far that I've seen. And I love a good ghost story. And I love the way that she writes this creepy stuff. But also, um, it has a, a flavor of like an Agatha Christie in a way. And I really loved it because um, the relationships, the acting's great. The relationship between the sisters is really kind of eerie and cool the way that it plays out. And there's a twist, which is cool. So if you like that old school murder mystery, you know, they use poison, they use knives, they use, you know, it's in that, it's, it's in that Agatha Christie type of ambiance. Give it a shot. When it first started, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like it. It's moving a little bit slow, but as it starts to move in and the the characters get developed and you catch on, you catch, you know, what's going on. I dug it. Great. That's awesome. I saw the movie Men which has also been much anticipated 2022 horror drama. Uh, and it's just called men. Oh yeah. How was that? I, I remember liked the preview it. for that. Yeah. I liked it. It's fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's the green man mythology is a little bit in there, I guess. I don't know. So it's, a, it's another grief statement. Okay. So we're in that. It's very creepy in the beginning. You don't know what the F is going on. But you're scared. As a female, you're definitely scared. It's got some body horror. It's got. It, it's really. It's really an interesting movie. A lot of people didn't like it. I. I actually liked it. I thought the mood was was pretty tight. Like it's flawed, and there's a lot of questions we could have about blaming the woman in the scenario, and how there's this house she's living in, and. You know, a lot of people probably watching it were saying like, why doesn't she just leave the house? And Mm. it's like, as a woman, you're like, she shouldn't have to leave the fucking Mm -hmm. house. You know, it's those kinds of conversations. But anyway, in the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper, played by Jessie Buckley, who I was pretty excited about her because I... I I really like her as an actress. She retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside. So you've got that vibe going on, which I enjoy hoping to have a found, hoping to have found a place to heal, but someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. What begins as simmering dread becomes a fully formed nightmare inhabited by her darkest memories and fears in visionary filmmakers, Alex Garlands, who did Annihilation and Ex Machina, a feverish, shape-shifting new horror film. So what I will say about this film is that it's highly, highly steeped in metaphor. So some of the reviews that I've seen of this are like, what the fuck? They didn't land the ending. I don't understand. It was gross. 
body horror, you know, like there's all this stuff like, you know, there's all a lot of there's a lot of reactions. And that's what I like about this movie is that there are a lot of reactions and there are a lot of interpretations around the ending. So it is one of those smarty pants horror movies where the elevated horror genre, I guess, because honestly, I think to truly appreciate it, I personally have a bias that you do sort of have to like look at the analogies that are happening, the rebirth analogy that happens definitely in the end (laughs) in a very interesting way. And looking at it from a woman who has to come to grips with the grief that she feels that entails a lot of guilt and the story that unfolds with that and then the rebirth of a person and like letting go of that. Mm. I'm not saying it's a perfect film. Yeah. And I'm not saying it really lands the ending because honestly, I shouldn't have to like interpret it that heavily sure, to sure. like get the satisfaction. Yeah. Some of people the don't want to work that hard. No. And that's really fair. Like yeah. I, I'm so I completely understand. <laughs> but that's why it's called a horror drama sci fi. It's because it's like but what I would say is that it's an A24 movie. So what were you fucking expecting? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. It got lost on me because I remember seeing the preview and then it just sort of disappeared. Yeah. That's um, because people, you know, had that reaction. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, uh, last one I'll talk about is a documentary that came out on Netflix called girl in the picture. Um, it's the same Sky Borgman who directed Abducted in Plain Sight did this. It's a, it's a re- actually a very good doc. You know, we watch a lot of documentaries on this show and so many are miss. And I think this one was a hit and probably because it is right now, at least it's being deemed as one of the most disturbing that Netflix, Netflix has put out. It tells the story of a young mother whose tragic death is followed by the kidnapping of her son, events that open a mystery spanning decades. So the synopsis by Netflix reads as in this documentary, a woman found dying by a road leaves behind a son, a man claiming to be her husband and a mystery that unfolds like a nightmare girl in the picture has been praised by viewers with word of mouth recommendations, sending it to the top of the streamers, most watched charts. Um, however, many have been left feeling horrified by its events with one viewer calling it one of the most messed up crime documentaries of all time. Um, it's absolutely one of the most horrific, sickening, frightening things I've watched. One person wrote adding, I'm a loss. I'm at a loss for words. So I will say that there are uh, many trigger warnings in this documentary. Uh, I think what drew me to it is I've worked with sex offenders and I'm always curious of how they portray certain things in documentaries, pedophiles, things like that. So um, I thought it was really well done as far as it kept my interest. And I don't mean, I know that sounds kind of twisted because the story is really horrifying. Well, we talk about a lot of terror here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that it also opens people's eyes to how broken our system is and how easy it is for people to, for the wrong person to gain custody and the right person to lose custody. I mean like the healthier parent lose custody or whatever. And the, you know, just the wrong person being able to just easily get that. I won't give too much of it away because there, there is a lot going on that is not said in the synopsis for a reason because Mm -hmm. it, it, builds on it. And part of that is just the holy shit, this is what happened. Right, right, right. right. But if that stuff doesn't completely trigger you, I do think it's 
definitely yeah. worth a watch. And, and I have heard that and mm-hmm. it's on my list because I've heard it from others that it's a good one. Yeah. That it's worth it. And as we talk about really consistently, like, I don't know. Gone are the days where I just click play on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I have to kind of read a little bit exactly. about it and maybe get a little bit of, because I'm, of course, I'm always searching for things we can do on the show that are super relevant sure. to do whole episodes on. And mm-hmm. so I don't want to waste a ton of time watching all the true crime docs anymore. So I really appreciate the recommends. Yeah. So yeah, I recommend it for sure. We were trying to bring a little bit more of those. I, I watched the house of secrets, the Barari deaths. Okay. And I thought that was really interesting. It's uh. It's, I think it was three episodes, maybe. Yeah, it was three, so it wasn't too painful. <laughs> okay. You know, it's a... This one's really short, too. I think it's like two hours, maybe. Yeah, yeah. and it's a, an India story, uh, and I thought it was really good. Cool. I thought it was interesting. It's from, it's on Netflix as well, and, and I thought it was worth a watch. But the other movie that I wanted to mention today is I saw Dashcam. Okay. So Dashcam is another very controversial, very anticipated flick because it's by the the guy who did Host. Okay. The pandemic found footage movie Host that was so popular. Rob Savage did that. And so popular, one of the best found footages. Uh, that was a good one. Great flick. Mm-hmm. So this was Dashcam. And it's very controversial for the following reason, is that the main character is a woman who is a musician and an extremist politically in America. I'm reading on it right now. So she is a main character and she drives around and has a dash cam and she drives around in her car during the pandemic and picks people up and, you know, is what we might call a Lyft driver or whatever. But the story goes in a lot of different ways. That's not sort of the whole thing. But what her gig is on social media, so like on TikTok or whatever social media she's using, is what she's doing is she's interacting with that dash cam and we're the audience, right? And as if we're her, let's say it's TikTok, her TikTok audience. And she's like, Hey everybody, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make a rap on, you know, give me some topics and I'll make up a rap on it. And then you you know, they say pizza or whatever. And then she makes up a rap on pizza, right? Like, so it's sort of innocently like that. You can tell she's outspoken. You can tell she's got a very big personality, And then slowly but surely, you can tell that she's got very extremist beliefs. Uh, Anti-vax, anti-mask. At one point, she goes into a store or whatever, and and they kick her out. And and it's all on camera as if she's a social media personality, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. that's the really controversial part of this movie, is that people don't like her belief system. Okay. But what I will say is this, this solidifies... Rob Savage's, if he wants to keep making found footage, I think most anybody who in any way likes found footage a little bit is going to keep watching his stuff because it's, if you struggle with attention span, (laughs) one of the people I was watching with it, if you struggle with attention span, it's pretty great because you're watching her. There's also a horror story going on. There is actually a story that unfolds that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And you've got the comments tick tick ticking by as if you're part of the 
Instagram story or the oh, TikTok that's cool. story. So mm-hmm. you've got the TikTok doesn't have the comment scrolling. So it'd be one of the other ones where it has the comment scrolling yeah. where you can see people talking. Like Instagram does Instagram that. Instagram mm-hmm. does that on mm-hmm. Instagram Live. So yeah. it's like that. Okay. She's always live. She's yeah, talking I can to see on audience. the snapshot. I can see that on like the and the yeah. comments are hilarious. Okay. So if you're kind of sick of her and she's talking anti-vax or whatever the heck her extremist views are, you can kind of like watch the comments. You can also the story does start to unfold but she pisses a lot of people off but i have to say like it's surprising it's got horror elements for a found footage i thought it was great because it changes locations a lot of times with found footage you're just in the same yeah in the same fucking location and you're like you know what that's a good point i never thought thought about that was one of the reasons why it's so like it can be it could just kind of fall really flat because you know in the woods in a tent and the whole right you know 65 minutes is in a woods in a tent and then the guy drops the camera and he's dead and you're like that was really not unique at all thank you but this is not they change locations different things happen different characters of course come into the car so there's different characters in different locations. This is not something you always get, but you do get it in good found footage. Mm-hmm. So that's part. But I have to say, like, the movie would not be successful to me without her. Yeah, I would She's imagine amazing. that. I was going to say, imagine that 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 that's a success that she was able to trigger people that much. She carries this movie. Yeah. And she's funny. Yeah. If you just like step out of your own shit for a minute. I'll watch it. I'm going to watch it. Like I don't have her belief system, but she's obviously trying to poke you. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's successful in that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you just calm, clam down for a moment, (laughs) just calm yourself and and realize you don't have to be mad at the fictitious character in the found footage movie. She's ridiculous. Yeah. There's moments when you definitely want her to die, but it's like... Without her, I mean, I find her hilarious and she's very good in this. Okay, great. So if you can tolerate all those things with whatever I said, (laughs) I would recommend it. And if you haven't seen Host, my God, please see that. That's the, that's got a totally different vibe. That's a really good one too. And that's got a totally different vibe too. So Mm -hmm. cool, man. You know, I did end up seeing, uh, Jurassic Park as well. Oh, what'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was, it was a lot fun, of fun. Right? About, yeah. about like 40 minutes in maybe. I really wasn't watching the clock, but I was like, I'm bored. Oh, really? And then the dinosaurs kicked in. Yeah. And the whole rest of the freaking movie's dinosaurs. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine now. It, it was, it, yeah. it, it, it redeemed itself. But yep. I was starting to go like, okay, where are the dinosaurs? Because that's what you're there for, right? Yeah. I saw that and I also saw the uh, the new Doctor Strange movie, which I really enjoyed as well. Cool. So it was a lot of fun. So anyway, so now... We got some horror facts. We're going to get some answers to the horror facts. Okay, number one. What 1990s horror film had Meg Ryan, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Laura Dern all in the running for the lead role, but beat out by another lead of nineties <laughs> scream silence of the lambs. Okay, cool. I did not know Michelle Pfeiffer would have been quite old for Sydney Prescott. at that I point. know. Number two in the original Jurassic park, how much screen time was awarded to the dinosaurs? Uh, I'm guessing, but like 10 or 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Okay. Effective 15 minutes. Very Al- also a lot more dinosaurs in this one. A lot more, but also it tells you that how strong the story was in the first one. Really that, good. Really and, good. And that was um, such a new thing that those 15 minutes felt like an hour because you're like, holy shit, this is new. 
Yeah. Very impactful. So I understand why now they have to, after two, three, four Jurassic movies or whatever, they have, they to, have to have this. Yeah. And a lot of fan service in the new one. Yeah. Liked it. Me too. Uh, number three, in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, how does the monster discover that Frankenstein is his creator? Well, you put me on the spot because I'm supposed to know, but I think it's, I think it's like reads the journal. Yes. Oh, he reads, he reads it in the doctor's papers. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, I'm like, it's my favorite thing. Yeah, I have no like if you memory asked me, of that. That'd be like if you asked me about Lost Boys and I wouldn't know an answer. I'd well, be like, and I don't remember all the of things course. Well, about that, Frankenstein. Well, and that book is a lot different than watching a movie over and over. Yeah. Um, and I have not reread it recently, so thank you, Jesus, for <laughs> you got it. having me remember that. Uh, number four, what was the most expensive horror movie ever produced? I Am Legend, World War Z, or Prometheus? World War Z? Um, World War Z at two hundred and twenty-two million. I figure. I knew. I remember when it was very, very expensive. And I was a guess. I didn't know, but I Am Legend was one hundred and eighty-eight million, and Prometheus one hundred and forty-one million. So they are all in the top twenty. Oh yeah, they're all like stupidly expensive for what they are, honestly. But okay. Number five. What heinous beast was the subject of two thousand seven's Rogue? I don't know. Was it a shark? Sweetheart, the giant saltwater crocodile. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> an ocean thing. I remembered it was an ocean movie, but or water thing. But that's about all I remembered. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's done with me. Thanks so much for <laughs> listening to the show today. We appreciate you. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. 